Welcome in to the World Series recap of the Golden Sombrero Show. I'm Dom McStern, joined by Cole Bradley and Ryan Blake. Guys, baseball season's over. I know that we're not in the best of moods right now, but how are you guys doing today on this fine Thursday night? Doing all right. How about you? Doing good. Ryan, how are you? Stressed out of my mind, but other than that, I'm doing all right. Yeah, right right there with you. Uh, Cronkite School's kind of kicking my butt right now, but, you know. I think that's hitting all of us, though. Yes, you know, happens. Uh, you gotta get gotta get your butt kicked at some point in your life. So, World Series is over. The Dodgers are finally World Champions, much to the dismay of Cole and I, uh, NL West counterparts. Uh, we we didn't like to see it, but we really felt like it was bound to happen. Cole, what were your uh, what was your just immediate reaction about the World Series and how it, how it panned out? Well, I mean, I've said it sort of all year long, but, I mean, first off, you know, the fact that we even had a World Series this year and a season in general, I mean, just, you know, kudos to the league for doing what they could to, you know, make this happen. Of course, you know, it got kind of interesting there at the end. We'll get into that later. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, as a Dodger hater, I'd say, you know, um, it wasn't really cool to watch them win the World Series, but I mean, from the beginning of the year, I think everyone sort of expected them to at least get there. You know, winning it was, you know, the question, but, you know, there was no doubt, I feel like, in anyone's mind this year that given the depth, which we've highlighted all year, um, and, you know, the bullpen being a lot better, you know, they were just in a much better position to to win. So I wasn't too surprised. Um, I thought it was, I thought there was some really, all-time games though um mainly that i think it was game four um was that was one of the coolest games i've ever watched um you know really fun to you know witness that one play out um kudos to the race for getting as far as they did you know it just proves that a team that you don't need to shell out big money um to have a championship winning team you know it starts from you know the top when it comes to your management and your front office, putting together a group of guys, you know, who are just good at playing their part, doing their job um, for cheap. And that's, you know, what the Rays proved this year. That's what they're going to continue to prove. I don't really see them, you know, being out of the championship contender conversation for a very long time. So um, overall it was a good series. Um, it was good to just be able to watch baseball again this year. Um, so in that aspect, I enjoyed it. Yeah, this is my one of my least favorite times of the year with baseball season ending because that's what you really want, especially us, is to have baseball all year round. But like you said, Cole, I'm just so happy that we got to this point to have a World Series, especially with the uh, deadlock that we were in at the beginning and all the uncertainty with testing. It was incredible to be able to have baseball this year. And like you said, the Dodgers. You knew you knew they were going to win it because this is the best team in baseball. Two MVPs in the outfield, a great infield, great pitching staff, a much improved bullpen compared to years past. So they're the complete team, and they deserve to win. So congratulations to them. Thirty-two year drought is over. I get those thirty those thirty plus year droughts. So congrats to them. But honestly, it was great great way to watch and end the baseball season. Game four, Brett Phillips, former Royal. That was awesome to see. What a misplay by Chris Taylor. But honestly, that was such a cool way for that game to end. But I 
I think that Kevin Cash really screwed up by taking out Blake Snell. My whole theory on it, I tweeted about it and I said, he's planning for game seven. Through 73 pitches, he was confident that his team was going to win and that he could maybe throw Snell for an inning or two in game seven. And I think that I'm still going to stand by that. So, but overall, not a good decision. But the Dodgers, they have been terrific all year. 43 wins in a 60-game season. Insane. This was the best team in baseball. The best team won. But the Rays continue to prove that you don't need to spend $300 million on multiple guys like the Yankees do. Just find those players, those diamonds in the rough, if as I may say, and build around them and get that chemistry and get the right manager. And that's how you've done it. And that's what they did. And it's worked out very well for them. And they're going to be championship contenders for years to come. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the AJ Hinch polling of Blake Snell in a bit when we break down each game by game. Uh, my, my thoughts were Don C- yes. Kevin Cash, not AJ Hinch. Oh, he's getting confused. Yeah, last year. Yes. Yes, good catch, Ryan. Cole Cole and I have been talking about AJ Hinch the past couple of days. AJ Hinch has also been brought up. We'll we'll talk about we'll talk about AJ Hinch in a little bit later too. I I technically wasn't wrong. We'll talk about AJ Hinch a little bit later too. Uh, But yeah, good catch, Ryan. Uh, My my overall thoughts. It it felt like uh, this was the Dodgers' year to win it the entire year, and that ended up paying off. And uh, I think that a healthy San Diego Padres was would have been a bigger test to the Dodgers. The Tampa Bay Rays and the Atlanta Braves, we all certainly knew, were a tougher test to the Dodgers than the Tampa Bay Rays. And that's a shot at the Tampa Bay Rays. I've had this matchup the entire season. I had it the entire postseason. Didn't go away from it all year. But at the end of the day, the Dodgers were just the better team. They really showed it. I mean, Tampa Bay really had to grind out those two wins. They, I don't want to say they didn't deserve to win game four, but the Dodgers certainly had that game. I mean, they were down... Razor down on their final strike with Brett Phillips at the plate. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to disrespect Brett Phillips. I mean, he's America's hero, as Ryan said. Uh, not known for his bat at all. Uh, he His OPS plus is bad, like in the, the career's 70 mark. So for him to do that, get a hit off of Kenley Jansen, who's certainly out of his prime at this point. But when he was in his prime just a couple years ago, one of the greatest closers of all time, and – it, it, it was fun to watch. I actually got to watch that game with Cole. So that, that was really cool. Uh, you know, we were stomping on the floor of uh, my apartment because the person that lives below me is a Dodgers fan. We had to make sure that he knew that we were watching. And uh, I got some very, very mean texts later that night. Uh, but looking back on it, I feel like that's a moment that we could all laugh about. Uh, the Dodgers, they, they won their series. Uh, they got their ring that they've long waited for. And the Rays, they got that awesome moment. You know, that's a moment that a lot of Rays fans will remember. And that's the last win of the 2020 Tampa Bay Rays. So that's certainly their last winning memory. Uh, Let's talk about these games one by one here. Let's start with games one and games two. Uh, Game one, Dodgers, they really came out. They started their dominance. Tyra Glasnow didn't look great. Clayton Kershaw, spectacular. Dodgers win eight to three. And then game two, Tampa Bay jumped out to an early lead against Tony Gonsolin and Dustin May. Dodgers really didn't have a lot of great options to start game two, given the quick turnaround. Uh, and Tampa Bay took advantage, winning the game 6-4. to four. So uh, what were your guys' thoughts on games one and games two? Well, I mean, 
I'll start out with just specifically game one and Clayton Kershaw at that. You know, I feel like even if you're you're not a Dodger fan, you have to still at some point or some capacity be happy for him, you know, given all the, you know, the criticism he's been under for years and, you know, everything regarding the postseason. You know, he finally got his ring. Well-deserved for him in particular. You have to feel good for him. Um, and not only that, but he performed really well in the World Series. He pitched well when it mattered most. And he came out and shoved in game one. I think it was I think it was like six and a third or something. Or he went at least went six innings. Um, he did a really nice job. And then, you know, the Dodgers offense will just inevitably take care of the rest. Um, Glasnow, on the other hand, I, I mean, you know, I feel like, you know, he's – the epitome of that wide-eyed, you know, young kid who's making his first World Series start, you know, he's already pretty effectively wild, I feel like you could say. But, I mean, he just took that to a whole new level in um, game one. I think Kevin Cash kept him in for way too long, and I feel like that's why the score got as um, inflated as it got because um, I think he threw a career high in pitches. If he threw like 112 pitches or something, that's just way out of – character for a guy like Glasnow or for, you know, the Rays to keep a guy in that long. Um, so I really think that honestly added to the fact, you know, that, you know, game one just didn't really go well for them. And then I, I mean, with game two, again, like you said, Dom, Dodgers really didn't have a good option for game two to start. So the Rays just took advantage of that. I feel like if they had a, a much better option um, from a starting pitching standpoint for game two, it honestly caught, could have been, um, a win for the Dodgers, but we'll never know. Um, yeah, that's really my main thoughts for those first two games. Yeah, the Dodgers came out swinging and came out firing in game one of the series. You saw Clayton Kershaw, who's always been criticized for his ability to pitch in the postseason, and he was great. And I know that you guys hate the Dodgers, but I was rooting for Kershaw to do well because he's easily a first ballot Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. And I want him to succeed. He went six innings, two hits, one earned run, and had eight strikeouts. He was terrific. The bullpen did its job shutting him down as well. But it was mainly the middle of the lineup that did the damage because you saw Muncy, Smith, and Bellinger, they combined to drive in five of the eight runs. So – you saw them really use the heart of that lineup to fuel the offense, which was really, really cool and really nice to see because we talked about this Dodger lineup. Dangerous one through nine. And that's what they proved because they had Mookie Betts have an RBI. They had the middle have five. And then Chris Taylor and Enrique Hernandez at the bottom, each driving another run. They're, they were dangerous at every single spot in the lineup, and they proved that. And it and it showed they got to glass now early, which was big. But game two, we talked about how for the Rays to get in a game and to win, they had to get an early lead. And that's what they did. And they took advantage of the Dodgers really being in a sticky situation, not being able to go with Bueller with the turnaround. But they got to Gonsner early, and Brandon Lau gave them the lead. He ended up driving in three runs that game. It was huge for them. So it was a big game for them to win one of the first two games while being the 
away team and getting out to an early lead, relying on that bullpen. So that was a big win for them. That's really all I got for the first two games. Right, yeah. Early lead, that, that's really what it came down to. Not just an early lead, but a multi-run lead because we saw – couple of other times they did get that first run, but we'll, we'll talk about game six a little bit later. There's only one run, and at some point the Dodgers are going to score. It's just inevitable. So moving on, game three. I thought this was going to be one of the best games. Walker Buehler versus Charlie Morton, two of the best postseason pitchers really of all time, uh, especially considering Buehler's just young age. He's really putting himself into that conversation as a big game pitcher. Uh, Dodgers got to Morton, ended up winning 6-2. Uh, game four, the electric game. I mean, I don't really need to say any, anything else about it other than uh, America's team and America's comeback. Uh, it was beautiful. So what were you guys' thoughts on games three and games four? Well, I mean, you know, game four, I think, speaks for itself. And, you know, we could talk about it all day. Um, I guess with game three, you know, just to start, again, yeah, really good pitching matchup. Two of some of the best postseason pitchers in the game currently. Um, going at it, honestly, Walker Bueller is just—I mean, he's on another planet um, when it comes to these big games. Like you said, he's really molding himself into that big game pitcher, which the Dodgers need. Because I mean, again, as as well as Kershaw pitched this postseason, once he goes, you know, they're still going to need a guy who's going to be able to pitch in the postseason really well. Kershaw historically hasn't been able to do that too much. Bueller has. He's done a very nice job. I don't think he's had a single bad start in the postseason. Um, in terms of, you know, runs allowed or whatever. He's done a very nice job, and he continued to prove that. Um, but uh, I just want to talk about, because I'm pretty sure in in game three it was, the only one of the two raised runs was from Randy Rosarena's eighth home run of the postseason. We'll probably talk about him a little more. Um, but just something to think about. The guy hasn't played a full season yet, and he's – I mean, you can't really deny he's probably one of the best postseason players of all time already. I mean, he's already set records for a single postseason. And, again, he hasn't even played a full season yet. There's really not – there's really, like, no limit to that guy's future. Going to be exciting to see how he turns out as a player. But um, game four, I think it really came down to, you know, the Dodgers, um, again, putting a little too much faith in Kenley Jansen. You know, he's a, one of the – historically one of the best closers of our time. Um, but, you know, he's starting to really, you know, fall off the fall off the schneid here. So I'd say if I'm the Dodgers, I'd probably be looking to move forward and find a new guy to close ball games because I, I wouldn't feel too comfortable with Kenley um, in that position um, moving forward. But, I mean, you know, in a, in a situation like that, I mean, Brett Phillips against Kenley Jansen, I mean, come on, you, you're probably still going to take Kenley. Um, and, you know, I mean, he still comes through with that hit. So, you know, it's a really electric game for the Rays. They hung in it. That was the biggest thing. You know, it was just going to be about grinding it out. I think every team scored in pretty much every inning other than like the second over the course of that game. Um, so it was just very back and forth. So kudos to the Rays for just staying in that one. If you're going to beat the Dodgers, you know, nine times out of ten, you're probably going to have to beat them the way the Rays did in game four. Um, and that's the thing is you can't do that every game. You know, somebody's going to be a little bit more on their game one day than they are the next, and Kenley just wasn't on his game that day, and that's why the Rays came out with the win. Um, but, yeah, it's really exciting game four. Um, and game three obviously was sort of a runaway, but it's hard not to talk about Randy Rose Arena. 
Great. I have one note before Ryan talks. Walker Buehler's first postseason outing, this was after he started game 163 against the Rockies to win the division back in 2018. He allowed five runs in the second inning after he walked in the pitcher with the bases loaded and then allowed a 3-1 grand slam to Ronald Acuna Jr. after uh, he was down 3-0 to him. Next pitch was up at like his chin, but Acuna backed out of the box. The umpire called it a strike, and then Acuna went yard on the next pitch. So that is Walker Buehler's one yeah, bad pitch. That's, that's the one, yeah. But still, just further proving your point, he's been a stud in the postseason. All right, Ryan, what were your thoughts on games three and games four? Yeah, Walker Buehler was a stud. We've established this. Ten strikeouts in six innings, only allowed three hits. He was terrific. He's molding himself to become that guy when Kershaw leaves, and even with Kershaw there. They're a dynamic duo. I picked him to win Cy Young this year, and if he would have been more, a little bit more consistent, he could have been in that conversation. But he was terrific for the Dodgers in the postseason this year. This Game three, I thought was going to be the best game of the series because of the matchup between Morton, Morton and Bueller, but the Dodgers just got to Morton early, and I think that was key for them in games one and three was to get that early lead and multiple run leads, and that's what got them and fueled them to wins because that means took a lot of pressure off their bullpen, and that's what got them to win. So they had a dominant performance in Game 3. But Game 4 was ended up being the best game of the series. Yarbrough went three and a third, and then the bullpen took it all the way through. The bullpen came up big. And, yeah, they struggled, but holding the Dodgers to no runs in the ninth was huge. Because the Dodgers could have easily taken advantage and expanded their lead, but they didn't. And so that was a great job by John Curtis coming in and taking care of that and shutting them down in the ninth. But that play, just Brett Phillips down to one strike, it was awesome to watch. But overall, I just think the main thing about that play was, for me, I was a first baseman, so the first thing I really thought was, why did Max Muncy cut off that ball? Because Will Smith did not think he was going to. So there was some miscommunication there. But overall, Chris Siddler should have made that play and not bottled it in the first place. But game four was the best game. The Rays just kept throwing punches right at the Dodgers. They kept absorb absorbing them and then coming back. You thought that the Dodgers were done after the Brandon Lau home run because you thought that the race had all that momentum after tying the game. No, the race took the lead with that. When the race took the lead with that home run, and you thought that they had all the momentum. Dodgers come back, put up the runs, and take the lead, and then Kenley Jansen blows another game. So, honestly, what it comes down to at this point is that the Dodgers got to move on from Kenley Jansen. I don't know if they can't move on from him. I feel like he's still a decent you know, middle inning reliever, you know, bring him in the seventh or the eighth inning. I can move on from him as a closer. My bad. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. We're on the same page there. Yeah, and I mean, game four was just absolutely electric. Cole, you mentioned about how how, how many scoring opportunities there were. It was eight straight half innings with a run. I mean, instant classic. I, I don't know where that game ranks in terms of games. Now, of course, we've seen some better games than elimination games, and I feel like, you know, with the stakes on the line, I feel like those a little that holds a little bit more merit. Games that come to mind certainly are Game 7 in 2016, Game 6 in 2011. 
those are some, those are just a few of the games that I would barely rank in front of game four. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that game was incredible. Uh, I, I still can't believe it. I still can't believe the Rays won that game. And uh, we celebrated with some Oreo churros after the game, and they they sucked. Uh, do not recommend Oreo churros for those who are interested. Uh, Where did you guys find those? Uh, there's a little Mexican restaurant, uh, Mexican food restaurant, I should clarify, down down the street from my apartment complex, Filiberto's. Great food, bad Oreo churros. I probably would not try an Oreo churro. That just doesn't sound good. It looked good on the advertisement. See, they got me. You see, it's like McDonald's. They glorify like a Big Mac or a Quarter Pounder. Then you get it, and it just doesn't look as good. It's like the Analyst every year. Uh, whoops. Yeah, and speaking of the Analyst, we, we will see if Steve Cohen gets voted in as the new, uh, the new owner of the Mets tomorrow. Uh, at least that's what we were told. Mm-hmm. There's been some uh, some fuss about it. We'll talk about the next episode because uh, that'll be something we can talk about. Ga- games five and six, uh, these two were, were great games. Uh, Dodgers ended up coming out victorious. Uh, this game, four to two. Seemed like Tampa Bay was trying to make a comeback late. Uh, got spoiled. And then game six. Oh, man, game six, game six, game six. The game that is going to live in Rays fans' nightmares for a long time, live in Kevin Cash's nightmares for a long time, live in Blake Snell's nightmare for a long time, live in Nick Anderson's nightmares for a long time. But Dodger fans are living their dreams forever. What were you guys' thoughts on games five and game six? I mean, I really have no thoughts on game five. I'll just kind of cut to the chase and get to game six, quite honestly, because, you know, everyone has opinions on it. You know, it was obvious from the moment it happened. Um, everyone thought it was a controversial move. I wouldn't have hated the move if anyone but Nick Anderson came in. So that's how I see it. I, being a starting pitcher, a former starting pitcher, am always a believer in if a guy's rolling, don't take him out. Just don't. Let him get through the inning. If he's rolling like Snell was, I would have kept him through, but I didn't hate the move considering that, you know, it was, it was a one-run game, and there's only one out, and now you got to run around first. And you've got the top of the order coming back up, third time through the order. We all know how significantly worse Snell is against the lineup the third time through the order, especially this year. Um, he did strike out Mookie twice that game. In fact, Mookie is actually statistically worse against left-handed pitchers this season. So that's a huge thing to consider. And, you know, everyone was talking about, you know, how the analytics guys got it wrong. They definitely did there. But, again, I wouldn't have hated it as much as I did if anyone but Nick Anderson came in. The fact that Nick Anderson came in, who, again, was really good this regular season. He had probably – I think he was the best ERA of any reliever in the regular season. Um, Hasn't been good at all this postseason. In fact, he's probably been one of the worst this postseason. Um, They brought in Peter Fairbanks after. I probably would have put in Fairbanks first, or I would have put in – you know, Thompson or one of those guys, they have plenty of weapons in that bullpen. The fact you're bringing in Nick Anderson in a high leverage situation like that in an elimination game, it's do or die. You have to win. You can't do that. And that's the inning that cost them. And I tweeted about it. It's the same kind of decision. Like, you know, last season, it was, you know, AJ Hinch failed to take out Zach Grinke. Once he started his third time through the order, Anthony Rendon hits the home run on him. 
They have Garrett Cole available. They made it known they had Garrett Cole available, who was the most dominating pitcher in the game at the time. They didn't use him. They brought in Will Harris. They lost the game. They lost the World Series, too. So I think, you know, managers are going to take a much deeper look after what has happened the past two years, specifically this year, because it stands out much more, um, and really assess how they want to attack that whole third time through the order thing. Because we know Cash made that decision based on the fact that Snell was making his third trip through the order. He would have kept him in, kept him in if analytics were thrown out the window. But we know the Rays are probably the most analytically inclined team in baseball, and that's why the move was made. They, they thought they had a, a good matchup. I don't think they did. I think everyone can agree with that. Um, again, if anyone but Anderson comes in, I'm a, I'm I'm a little bit more of a fan of that move. I still wouldn't have taken him out, but Nick Anderson was the was the deciding factor for me where it was like, okay, this is that qualifies as a bad managerial move right there. So that's my overall thoughts on that. Um, again, it was just the Dodgers, you know, ability to you know really take over and take advantage of the moment. You know, that's their offense. You know, they score. You know, whether it's grinding out a run or it's you know just completely completely blowing you out of the water with homers and doubles and things like that. And, you know, this was one of those innings where they just kind of grinded it out and it ended up leading to them winning the World Series because, I mean, obviously we saw Dodger pitching came out in game six and shut the door. Um, the Rays got the run on the Rosarena home run, and then that was pretty much it. They just could not get anything going. It was pretty much, I feel like, a bullpen day from the start for um, the Dodgers. And – they shut the door. They did a really nice job, but honestly, we probably would honestly, I feel like we still might've had a game seven had cash not made that decision in the six. So that's my opinion on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, overall game six was just a Dodgers game. They took advantage when it mattered most. Yeah. Cool. You're right. And the one thing I, I'm going to go in game five first, Kershaw was great once again, went five and two-thirds, six strikeouts. He became the the MLB history leader in postseason strikeouts with, I think he's at 207, right around there. But he passed Verlander in game five. But Kershaw was great once again. Offense, they did what they needed to get done. And it was, and it was players through each part of the lineup. So that was no matter where they're on the lineup, they're producing. So Dodgers got that win. The race offense was just quiet. And same thing goes for game six. Race offense was quiet. They got to Gonsolin early. Got him pulled after an inning two-thirds. Dodgers bullpen was terrific. The Dodgers bullpen through the remaining seven and a third innings. Wait, did I do my math right? Yes, seven and a third innings. Gave up two hits. They were insane. They gave up two hits and had no walks. The bullpen, like I said earlier, was so vastly improved compared to years prior, and it was huge for them to get that. But my whole thing with pulling Blake Snell, and I said earlier, was because not just for the analytics, because the analytics showed it, that Snell's not good third time against the order. I think he also wanted to hold him for game seven, just in case. Try to maybe throw him an inning. It's possible because he was only at 73 pitches. But 
The reason I would have left him in is because his next three batters were Betts, Seager, and Turner. At that time, those guys were 0 for 6 with six strikeouts. That's my main thing for leaving him in. I was actually at a birthday dinner watching the game, and I looked up. I was like, he is not pulling Snell. And I was like, that's going to come back and hit him hard. And it did. They shouldn't have brought in Nick Anderson because that game marked his seventh straight appearance in the postseason giving up a run. He was awful this postseason. I don't know why he went back to him in that crucial of a situation. They could have gone to Aaron Laup or they could have gone to Fairbanks in that situation. They have so many guys in that bullpen, and they have one of the league's best bullpens, if the if not the best. So I disagree with who he went to and for even pulling Snell. But Mookie Betts got the double set up second and third, scored again on an infield single on that infield fielder's choice. And by the way, can I just say that was an awful move by Yandy Diaz? That was stupid. Like, I'm going to go back to it. I played first base. You take the out. And you got it's your situational awareness there. You got Mookie Betts on third, who is lightning speed. He's quick and he's extremely fast. You don't throw home and try to get him out. I completely disagreed with that move. He should have just taken the out. And that was a that was just stupid by Diaz. And then Betts put the icing on the cake with his home run in the bottom of the eighth and Julio Urias was incredible. Came in, finished the game off, two and a third innings, four strikeouts, did the same thing in game seven against the Braves. So he was huge, and that was awesome to see him come up big for them. So that was that was big for them to have that type of performance from Urias out of the bullpen in two big games. So the Dodgers did what they needed to do, and they got the World Series because – the, man, the managing from Dave Roberts was better than Kevin Cash. Right. And I don't get me wrong. Kevin Cash is a better manager than Dave Roberts. I don't think anyone's going to get that twisted. You know, some people probably won't think that because they, uh, they, uh, they, they don't watch race baseball. And I don't blame a lot of people for not watching race baseball. Uh, sometimes it's not the, uh, most accessible baseball to watch. But uh, Kevin Cash totally botched it. And uh, I I personally, you know, didn't like it. As Cole mentioned, we're, we're all pitchers here. It's not a good move, uh, especially Anderson. And uh, I take part of the blame for Anderson's struggles this postseason. I called him the best, the best reliever in baseball a couple weeks ago. Uh, and ever since then, he – He's allowed to run on every single outing. So I'll take some blame for that. I apologize to Nick Anderson and to race fans. Uh, and it sucks. But with that being said, this is how the race got there. They got there by making analytically driven decisions. And this was another one of them. The problem is, is that like Cole mentioned, Mookie Betts, worse against left-handed pitchers. Corey Seager, the batter after him, worse against left-handed pitchers. With a guy on first base, and you've got only one out, and you've got those two batters. You let Snell ride those two guys. And then if he's if the inning is still going on, then you bring someone else in. And that's when you bring that guy in. Because then at that point, Justin Turner is up, and that's we'll talk about Turner in a bit because uh, that, that's another big discussion point. Uh, 
And then Turner's way better against lefties. So then that's when you bring in the righty. Uh, it, it, it sucked. The, the Rays lost on a huge decision. And all year they've made those decisions all, nearly perfect. And they, they didn't. They messed up big time. It was tough to see the Rays season end like that. But congrats, I guess, to the Dodgers for, for winning their World Series. Uh, sucks that their World Series title is overshadowed by the fact that it was in a 60-game season. Uh, a very, very poor managerial decision, arguably you know, one of the worst ever. And then third, the fact that Justin Turner tested positive for the coronavirus and then went back on to the field to celebrate, which once again we'll talk about in a minute. And Ryan, you mentioned that uh, the Dodgers bullpen was a huge reason why they were able to finally get over the hump and get the World Series ring. And I actually tweeted out that it is the most important reason that they got over the hump. Do you guys agree with me on that, or do you think it's because they brought in Mookie Betts? Well, I mean, I mean, overall, yes. You know, the fact that the pitching got better, that that definitely, I think, overall, you know, was the reason why – was the biggest reason why they ended up winning this year. But I think just also their offense was just that much more loaded, you know, bringing in guys like – bringing in a guy like Mookie Betts. Um, and he showed it in pretty much every single game he played in. I mean, he's just one of the best all-around baseball players in the league. Um, you know, the value he brings to that team, he's seemingly always on base. Like, every time you look up, he's on base. I don't you know whether it's a walk or a double or a single or whatever. He finds a way to get around and score, plays impeccable defense in right field. Um, you know, there's really not a whole lot you can't say about him. Um so I think that's a huge part of it. But, yeah, I mean, the bullpen, I mean, it was just that much more deep, you know, having guys like Trinan back there and, you know, Joe Kelly, who didn't pitch a whole lot this year, but he was really good when he did pitch. And, you know, having, you know, Kenley Jansen, even though he struggled in your back pocket, isn't, you know, a really bad look either. Um, you know, Adam Kolarik, you know, is a nice left-handed option. They didn't use him a whole lot, um, but, again, nice left-handed option. Having a guy like Dustin May come out of your bullpen, even though he's primarily a starter, that's a huge factor. Um you know, Tony Gonsolin, who started mostly, but also to have him come out of your bullpen. Same with Julio Arias. Um, he was really good coming out of the bullpen for them this postseason. I think he got the I think he got the final nine outs in game six, um, or is it at least six outs. Um, he was really good. Um, you know, having those options, again, having the depth, you know, that's that's why the Dodgers are so good. You know, and they added on that depth, and they're going to continue to add on that depth. Um and that's just what separates them from everyone else. But, you know, again, no no credit taken away from the pitching, but, yes, I do think that is the biggest reason um, that they won this year. Um, but also, you know, bringing in a guy like Mookie Betts and, you know, having the offense perform as well as they did this year um, definitely says a lot about, you know, their team as well. So That's a very good question. And – what I have to think about it is what has hurt the Dodgers more in getting to winning the World Series? And I'm going to go with it was the pitching. They didn't have the depth in the bullpen. They didn't have the bullpen performances. Dylan Floro, Blake Trinan, Julio Urias, Dustin May. The depth in that bullpen was unlike any other Dodger team we had seen. The bullpen kind of reminded me of the Royals in 2015 because of how deep it was. And 
I'm going to say that's the biggest reason. Nothing against Mookie Betts and what he brings. He's one of the best baseball players. He makes an impact with his bat, with his speed and base running, and with his glove. He does it all. Terrific. And he made that lineup that much more dangerous. But the pitching is really what's going to get you farther. Bullpens win you championships when it comes to the playoffs and win you those big games. And that's what they did. So I got to go to the bullpen. Yeah. Bullpen was my answer as well. So let's talk about, honestly, what was really the biggest headline and very fitting that 2020, this is how the World Series ends. Justin Turner uh, ultimately came out that he tested positive for the coronavirus and was forced to be removed from the ball game. No one really knew when it happened because uh, he just got taken out. And then he ended up going out and celebrating with his teammates afterwards and then the whole afterfall of that. So let, let's start with what was your guys' reaction to how uh, Justin Turner handled himself? Because I know we, we we already had a discussion about this in class today, but uh, our listeners weren't in class. So, Cole, let's start with you. So um, I'll just basically say what I said in class. But, I mean, I do think Turner is definitely at fault. I mean, he definitely had to put some blame on him. You know, he was told to isolate. And in times like this, I don't care if – you're having a kid, you should isolate, you know, you should, you should be safe. That's the way the times are right now. Um, you know, and I know it, it sucks. You can't be a party. You know, you can't be with your team after they just won a championship, the first of your career, the first of pretty much everyone's career on that team. Um, but you have to understand and get the bigger picture here. You know, there was kids on the field. Everyone's family was on the field. You know, if they contract the virus, Who's to say that their body's going to treat it like a professional athlete's does? You know, we don't know. And honestly, you know, we'll see what happens. But that's that's a huge thing thing that I look at. You know, going forward, is if, if family members and people test positive, you know, it's it's going to be it's going to be it's going to come back to bite them. Um, and that's just you know, that's just the way I see it. But I mean, with that being said, the league puts out a statement where they said, where they say, you know, it's all his fault and they put all the blame on him and, you know, everything is on Justin Turner. And the problem here is, is it's not all on him. Yes, it is his fault, but it's once again, the MLB, it's a deep, it's a really deeply rooted problem within major league baseball where they don't account. They don't take accountability for their actions a lot. And, you know, they treat this a lot like, you know, their players is just a commodity when really the players are the product, you know, they're the ones, you know, on the field, you know, really protect your product, put things in place to help support your product. Because at the end of the day, without your product, you don't have a game. And, you know, they've done a poor job of that. And again, the MLB just going out and blasting their players um, and saying it was all on, all on Turner, all on him, you know, from the start, they should have had things, plans in place to handle situations like this um, accordingly. And either they didn't have that or they didn't have people, you know, there to say, hey, we can't let you go out on the field. They, I mean, he said he was going to go. No one stopped him. And no one attempted to get him off the field after he had already, you know, gone out there and was taking photos and everything like that. So I really think it's mainly the league's fault. Um, again, I 
don't discount the actions of Turner. He has to be he has to be thinking better in that situation. He has to get the bigger picture. But I think the league needs to also sort of wake up and say, hey, we have to we have to make sure someone's there in case he does try and do that to say to stop him and say, hey, we can't let you go out there. I'm sorry. You know, you're going to have to celebrate with your team at a later time or you're going to have to figure out how to do it some other way because we cannot put people at risk because goodness knows what the aftermath is going to be now. We'll only find out. Um, hopefully it's nothing. It's nothing major. Um, and, you know, we all learn from this because honestly, COVID is probably going to be a problem not only within baseball, but within society as it's already been for a very, very, very long time. It's not going away anytime soon. And so hopefully they learn from it now and make adjustments for the future because they're going to need to do that. So those are my, that's my thoughts on that. Um, overall, I really think, you know, the league needs to, again, take more accountability for their actions. But um, again, can't really discount the fact that Turner just didn't really get a grasp of what was going on. So. Yeah. Cool. You hit on the head. Cause here's what it is. Yeah. Turner's at a lot of fault and as he should be repeatedly, the MLB refuses to be, take accountability for their actions and for their faults because all they care about is making money and doing what's best for them. It's a deep root issue. Like you said, and something that's been going on for way too long. You have to stop being stop with the lack of accountability and be responsible and acknowledge your mistakes. So the part of the blame does go on the MLB, but going on to Justin Turner, your manager's a cancer survivor. That's what's the most frustrating part. Your your coach is a cancer survivor, and you've got little kids, you've got families out on the field. You gotta know better. I know you just won the World Series, just ended a 32-year drought. That's huge. But you there are things that are bigger than yourself. And you can celebrate when you're done quarantining with the team. He shouldn't have went back out on that field at all. And there are a lot of ramifications for it. Hopefully, no one tests positive and everyone is healthy and safe. But Justin Turner has got to be better than that. He should know. He says, oh, I'm so sad I can't go celebrate with my teammates. Then he goes on the field. He's got to be smarter than that. I don't care if you're wearing a mask. That doesn't matter. When you're positive, you can't be around people. So a lack of responsibility from Turner and got to be better than that. I'm waiting to see the results of the rest of the tests and the investigation from the MLB itself. So we'll see what the possible ramifications are. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the investigation from the MLB because I'm sure they'll they'll botch it some way just to try and cover them up, make themselves uh, look as best as possible, even though everyone's kind of caught on to that. So not really looking forward to that. I also thought it was really dumb that the MLB let both – let. Uh, I mean, the Rays – I don't have as big of a problem with them letting the Rays go home. Uh, especially, did you see that the Rays, their plane like broke down on the – on the runway. So they, uh, they, they spent a couple of hours on the airplane and then had to, they had to go home on a different flight than originally scheduled. So sucks for them. I mean, that's just insult injury, but really surprised that the MLB just let the Dodgers go home because uh, it's been very, very well uh, announced that it takes a couple of days for 
this virus to incubate. So given the fact that Turner just tested positive, if he did spread it to a teammate, it probably won't show up until, you know, maybe around today, tomorrow, or in a couple of days. And the MLB should know that by now, uh, especially the way that some of the results came back earlier for some of the other teams with the Phillies, the Marlins, the Cardinals. It, it wasn't just one day where they all just tested positive. It was a day spread out. And they just let the Dodgers go home. And it, so it's so dumb. And everything MLB does is dumb. Now, uh, I think it's highly likely that a lot of the players tested positive or they could have contracted the virus during the game anyways. So if Turner went on the field, kept his mask on the entire time, which he did not, so it doesn't even matter, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. It's still not good. He shouldn't have gone. But if he kept his mask on and said, no one come near me, I want to take a picture with the trophy and go back, it wouldn't have been as big of a deal. However, he did not. It's not a good look for him. Uh, you know, a lot of the slander he's getting is, is you know, rightfully deserved. And everyone's body bagging the MLB, which is, once again, deserved. It's not a good situation. Uh, it's part it's part of playing amid a pandemic. Uh, that just comes with it. Uh, the MLB failed their bubble. Someone tested positive in it. That, that's just how that's just how it works. Uh, I don't think it's because fans were allowed in the stands because uh, the way the stadium was laid out, uh, no fans ever came in within – 15 to 20 feet with any of the players. So I don't think it's because of that. Uh, I think it's more of just because the the hotel they're staying at, the bubble, uh, if you will, was not uh, properly ran. I think just how it works. Uh, of course, are we shocked? Not really, if I'm being completely honest. Uh, from what I've heard, they're staying at the hotel right next to the stadium, and uh, people were walking right by that hotel all week, all the entire time. So uh, bad look for baseball, bad look for Justin Turner. Uh, we hope that the players, the staff uh, for both teams and the, the stadium staff are okay. It's going to be a couple days before we really find out. And like I said, it's really the incubation process of that. And it comes down to me thinking that baseball didn't care about the virus. I mean, you watched everything. They didn't care. I mean, Sure, there were no fans, so they they, they, they kind of cared about the fans. And then, of course, in the, the World Series of the NLCS, and they had a mask policy, but if you look at the stands, fans weren't wearing masks. There are a couple of sections. Like I said, my, my section for the second game I went to, the usher was enforcing the mask-wearing policy, uh, so she was at least trying. Uh, she was following the rules that no one else was really following. In the games, the players in the dugouts weren't wearing masks. You know, when you're out in the field uh, and you're not by anyone, you don't have to wear it. But when when you're in the dugout, you're you're not doing anything. You're, you just put the put the piece of fabric over your mouth and your nose. It's not a huge deal. I worked forty hour I worked forty hour shifts a week, uh, or forty hour work forty hour work weeks, wearing a mask the entire time. It's part of it. It's part of it. It's part of the world we live in. You you know show that you care, and then. You know, the team picture, you know, I'm fine. Pull it down, put it back up, all, all for it, except for Turner, of course. Uh, and then Manfred, he's not wearing the mask, uh, which I would have loved because uh, when he was talking, he sounded awful. But that's just another thing. Uh, MLB sucks. And I also think it's part of the collective bargaining agreement is coming up after next season. And they're the, uh, the owners, the MLB, 
They're willing to do anything to protect their image. And that's what it ultimately comes down to because they want to be able to have power over the players to obtain the most money from the, from what the players are really earning. Uh, the players are the ones that, that people go to see. They don't go to see, you know, the, the other stuff that they go to watch the players. They go to watch baseball. When I turn the game on, what do I want to watch baseball. So, you know, the owners, they deserve their money, but the players deserve more. Anyways, with that being said, you guys got anything else on this topic? I mean, just, you know, do better, you know, I mean, do better on both sides. The player again, Turner, just understand, you know, understand the gravity of this, of the decision that you're about to make when you say, I'm going to go out on the field and celebrate, you know, with my team, you know, understand that that's not, that, that's not the big picture right now. And knowing the Dodgers, unfortunately, there's probably many more of those moments to come. So, you know, we'll see if he's part of that. But again, just understand the gravity and the weight of what you're about to do. And then as a league, you know, again, you know, put protocol, put policy, put, you know, um, ways to handle situations in place beforehand. So then you know what to do when a situation like that comes up and then do it. You know, don't after the fact go and put it all on the players and say it was all their fault. You know, we couldn't have done anything to stop it. Yes, you could have. And so, again, just just do better. That's really all I have to say. Baseball's reputation, unfortunately, I feel like has really taken a hit the past couple of years with the Astros scandal. And now this heading into another offseason, it's just not a good look, like you said, Dom, for baseball. It's not good. So, um, obviously, again, you know, hopefully everyone, you know, walks away okay from this. But hopefully everyone walks away learning something from it as well. That's the biggest thing. And if not, then – you know, who's to say we're going to get anywhere. So just do better for the future and for everyone involved. Yeah, for me, it's just think before you act. I think you got to learn from your mistakes, learn a lesson and be better. But the MLB also has to be more strict about their protocols and do better acknowledging and being more accountable. All right, that's going to conclude our World Series discussion. We got 10 minutes. So before we go, we're going to talk about uh, the managerial move that was made earlier this morning. Uh, certainly made a lot of waves. Uh, I can't imagine the Tigers announced their managerial decision within the next 10 minutes. Uh, so we'll talk. We'll uh, there is a new uh, – they are in progress of making a deal – but nothing has been reached right, exactly. Yet. So we'll They're talk finalizing about, it. It sounds like though. Yeah, we'll talk about them and likely AJ Hinch next week. So, uh, in that division, Chicago White Sox, after finishing in third place in that division with the seven seed, after just being abysmal for the past couple of years, the White Sox have hired Tony Larusa, former manager of the Chicago White Sox. Uh, then he went to the A's, and then the Cardinals. Uh, retired with the Cardinals back in 2011, inducted into the Hall of Fame. He's now returning to be the manager of the White Sox for the next four years. Um, here, Ryan, we'll let you start with you on this one since you are uh, in the AL Central. What was your thoughts about this manager you hired? Honestly, I have a lot of mixed emotions because you see that Tony Lewis has been out of the game. He's an older guy, very old-fashioned. So there could be issues with 
gelling and making connections with the younger players. And the White Sox are a young team. So I feel like there's going to be some ramifications there. But you've seen Tony, Tony LaRusso, a terrific manager, and he has a lot of success in his past. But you have to make sure that you can establish that connection because that's really what's going to that's really what's going to make the team flow. He's a member of Baseball's Hall of Fame, third winningest manager in baseball history. He's a four-time manager of the year and a three-time World Series champion. Those accolades, they stand tall. Terrific manager, has so much success in his career. My main issue is him being able to connect to the youth that is in that clubhouse for the White Sox. From a baseball standpoint and understanding standpoint, great call. But there's definitely some sense for worry from me. Um, yeah, I, I I pretty much agree with everything Ryan just said. Um, the biggest takeaway for me is again, like you know, the youth. You know, how is he going to gel with the youth? How is how how does he, you know, how does his dinosaur, if you will, uh, baseball experience sort of translate to you know helping these young guys and you know really gelling with these young guys. I don't know how that works out. We'll see. It might actually work really well. Um, the accolades definitely back him up for sure. I mean, he's probably one of the greatest managers ever. So, I mean, as far as that's concerned, it's a great hire, but you know, we'll just see how it plays out. It's, it's a lot like, you know, I feel almost just as uncertain about this as I did about the Dave, uh, about the David Ross hire for the Cubs last off season. Um, I was uncertain about it for different reasons, but you know, they had a pretty good first first season. So you know, we'll see how it goes with Larusa. I actually, honestly, don't know why they fired Rick Renteria in the first place. I personally thought he did a pretty good job. I mean, there was definitely some abysmal years, but this year they really turned it around, and I feel like you, you can't, you know, not give him credit for it. All the players were vocal about how much they loved him. They loved Rick Renteria. So, I mean, as far as that's concerned, you already had your guy. So I personally don't know why they fired him in the first place, but getting a guy like Larusa as of now, it looks good, but I don't I feel I feel kind of mixed about it. Yeah, the, the White Sox uh, within the organization, seemingly, I mean this is from sources according to like Jeff Passett, was that this was a mixed reviewed hire within the organization. That's never a good sign. Now, of course, you'll you'll see in the coming months, everyone's bought into this hire. You know, the whole cliche. Um, and I mean, when you consider the dynamic of this White Sox team, they're a young team. They're a very fun team. Uh, a lot of Latin players on this team. And Tony La Russa has said before, baseball is a white man's sport. I don't know how that's going to play over you know, on this team. Uh, he's, he's said a couple of questionable things in the past, but – no one can question the pedigree of La Russa. Uh, he's going to go into that clubhouse. I'd like to think he's going to get him to buy into whatever he wants to do. Uh, and he's going to get the best out of him. It would also be smart of him to get a really good coaching staff surrounding him so that he doesn't have to do as much of the coaching. He could just do the managing. That would be smart of him to do. Uh, I think this manager will hire will either be really good or it will be really bad. Uh, I'm not sure which way I'm leading just yet. Uh, 
probably a little bit more towards the bad. Uh, but I think the White Sox are definitely amongst my favorites uh, to possibly win the AL next year. And uh, we'll see. Uh, new managers, you know, they don't always do their best in the first year. But another old manager that came back uh, in this era of analytics baseball and did a good job, especially in the postseason, Dusty Baker, second oldest manager in all baseball. He came in. Uh, he, he took he took control of the, of the clubhouse. Said, hey, guys, we're going to win. Didn't happen in the regular season, but they got to the playoffs. They knew they were. They said all year they were going to make the playoffs. They are going to make a run. That's exactly what they did. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if this move ends up paying off for them, but it could also be very poor, and he could lose control of the clubhouse with that young team. So, guys, we got a, we got three more minutes before the show ends. You guys got anything else to say about the World Series of this managerial hire before we head out? Yeah, so really for me on the Larusa hire, it's just I don't know if hiring a guy who's been off the field for nine years, away from the game really for nine years, is a good call. It's a brand new game, honestly, with analytics and how those are just really taken over. And I don't know how he's going to adjust to that. I hope that he does for the White Sox sake. Actually, no, I don't. I actually want them to suck. I take that back. I take that back. Go Royals, baby. But no, it's just if he can get the players to buy in to what he wants to do, then there's going to be success. Because when he's got his teams to buy in, he's got three world championships, and he is the third most wins in MLB history as a manager. So the accolades prove it. Just hope he can get everyone to buy in. Um. Again, just about the World Series – or not – no, the managerial hire, excuse me. Um, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, Alex Cora is off of his year-long suspension. And I personally would have much rather tried to interview him and try to get him on board rather than Larusa. Again, a much younger guy, a guy who's – you know, not nine years removed from the game. He's only one year removed from the game. And he's a dang good manager. Um, he can definitely, you know, he definitely helped connect with those guys in the Red Sox clubhouse. They won a World Series because of it. Um, I personally thought that there was be- that there were better options. Again, we'll see how it pans out. I'm uncertain about it, as I think everyone is. Um, but, you know, there was other options. That's all I guess I'm saying. All right, Ryan, any other notes or are you good? Yeah, just one last thing. I didn't get to mention him, but Randy Rosarena, postseason star. I'm excited to see him in his first full season of baseball next year, but he's a rising star, and he really paved the way to be one of the greatest performers in MLB postseason history and one of the best performances in MLB postseason history. All right, that's the wrap of this episode of the Golden Sabro Show. We thank you for tuning in, listening to our World Series recap talking about telling the Russo we'll have more managerial hires in the next week. We'll talk about some free agency. I will give my golden sombrero report next week. Uh, I've been keeping track of those golden sombreros. Uh, I still need to take a look at, make sure I got them all right. I'll talk about, you know, types of pitchers, lefty, righty, uh, the starters, teams, rotor away, uh, extra innings or whatnot. You know, just a couple of facts about that stuff. Uh, I'll get that information for you next week. So that, that's what you can look forward to here on the Golden Sabrero Show. On behalf of Cole Bradley and Ryan Blank, we thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday night or Friday night if you're listening to us on Blaze Radio.